This is your time to lit up with Angela Breidenbach. Lit Up is lighting up the literary world with book reviews, in-depth expert interviews, and ideas for you to design a lucrative writing career. Expand your imagination to enhance your life. Lit Up is always family-friendly, always good for your heart. Now, here is your host to Lit Up, Angela Breidenbach. Hey everybody, this is Angela Breidenbach, and I am so glad you're with me today because I am excited to share with you my guest, Brian Bird. Brian Bird is somebody that I have really admired and had the pleasure to meet while we were at a Connecting Writers with Hollywood conference this last May. And if you haven't heard that episode where we were introducing that conference and talking a little bit about screenplays and Hollywood and how to be a part of it, you can listen to episode one, go way back to episode one, and you'll have an opportunity to listen to what it's like to go to a conference and take part in it. And what was really neat was uh, Brian is super gracious, and he agreed to come on the show because I didn't get to hear his keynote address, which talked about the 10 commandments of screenplays. And I needed to hear that, so I thought you all might like to hear it too. Brian has had a 30-year career in Hollywood, and his writing and producing work comprises dozens of films and 250 episodes of network television. He is a founding partner with Michael Landon Jr. of Believe Pictures, and most recently, he's responsible for five seasons of the hit Hallmark Channel original TV series, When Calls the Heart. You, you got it, Hardy's. He's here. Along with the cultivating the birth and growth of an ardent fan movement for the show, the Hardy's, Bird's film writing and producing credits also include The Case for Christ, which released nationally in April, and The Heart of Man that comes out in September, Paramount Pictures Captive, and The Ultimate Life for 20th Century Fox, Not Easily Broken for Sony Screen Gems, The Last Sin Eater, by the way, I've read the book and seen the movie, and they're both terrific, and The Bofa for Paramount Pictures. Additionally, Bird is writing and producing the upcoming theatricals Northern Lights and The Boy from Baby House 10 and The Case for Miracles. His his screenplays and his career are so stellar. I just don't want to take up any more time. I want to introduce Brian and get into his Ten Commandments so that you too can learn how to write a screenplay. Hi, Brian, and welcome. Hi, Angie. Thanks so much for having me with you and your, with your audience. Delightful. I've also had the opportunity to see several of your online interviews prior to going to that conference. And people listening, that's a great way to get to know somebody and find out what wisdom they have to impart and and learn about that person so that you know how to ask the right questions and things like that when you do get to meet them. But um, Brian, would you mind telling us, um, give us kind of an overview of the screenplay commandments, and then I'd love to just get right into them. Well, sure. Um, you know, I, I've i been now working in uh, film and television for about 30 years, and uh, I started out as a journalist. And so a lot of uh, a lot of what I've learned about how to, you know, how to write for film and TV re- really grows out of just learning how to write. Period. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, I sort of believe that any any writer worth his or her salt 
should be able to write anything. Now, you know, some people might disagree with me on that, but honestly, you know, good writing is good writing. And I think, you know, learning the format for how to write for film and TV is the easy part. It's really more about the content, you know, uh, content has always been king in, in storytelling. And, uh, so in terms of the, you know, in terms of the, the, the box that you have to go in when you're writing for film and TV, um, it's, you know, that part's the easy part. I'll just say it, say it that way. And, uh, so anyway, I, I, sort of I'm a journalist first I still consider myself a journalist I went to journalism school uh, I, I worked in newspaper and magazine work before I sort of morphed into writing for film and TV and so much of what I've learned what I learned as a journalist and have continued to learn as a screenwriter uh, all sort of emanates from the same pool of writing you, you know chops and writing writing uh, you know, framework and writing skill. And um, so anyway, good writers should be able to write anything. And uh, so I, 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 yeah, yeah, go ahead. I I just, I really agree with you because I, I've done journalism as well. I did not get a journalism degree like you. I'm in the process of getting a genealogical studies degree, learning old, middle and modern English and helping to do all that for (laughs) people. But I definitely have been studying writing and the thing that fascinated me about the whole issue was I really feel the same. Good writers write well in anything. And for me, I've done contemporary and historical. I've done journalism. I've gone into nonfiction. I've even done cookbooks. And I feel like if if somebody were to put me into a box, my box is really my voice. My brand right. is my voice, not my uh, the genre. And I think that's completely right. on end and, and totally different from what a lot of people get told. So I'm just delighted to hear you say that. Yeah. And, and you know, the the business will try to, you know, whether you're writing, uh, you know, for pub, to, to be published or you're writing for film or TV or radio or or, or greeting cards or bubblegum uh, comic wrappers <laughs> or, you know, whatever it is. I've uh, done greeting cards. I get it. Ah. <laughs> uh, no, honestly, it, the the idea of communicating, you know, clearly to people is what it's all about. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, so good writers should be able to, to do anything. And, and yes, you know, uh, certain aspects of, you know, certain kinds of writing are tougher than others. You know, actually writing comedy is one of the hardest things to learn how to do. Um, and something that's uh, original. That's tough. It, it is. It is. And uh, so, so, but that's just all about homework, right? That's just all about doing the, the homework and reading other, uh, you know, sort of other writers and, and, and good writers and learning from them. Um, so I, you know, over the course of these 30 years, I, I have, have sort of along the way gathered up these, these, what I call, my 10 thou shalts, <laughs> uh, <laughs> my 10 commandments about, you know, how to, how to be a better and, and really, you know, strong writer, no matter what uh, genre or what part of the communications scheme you're working for, uh, working for. And um, 
so anyway, I've, I've sort of put these together. I, I share them from time to time when I'm asked to speak at conferences or asked to encourage writers. And, and some of them have to do with craft and, and some of them have to do with just how to be a better human being because it's all integrated, uh, in, in my experience, uh, being a good person, being a good uh, communicator, being a good writer are blended up in the same smoothie, uh, in my experience. And uh, so anyway, my, so I, I don't know how you want to go through these, but I can, you know, I can tell you there's 10 of them that and there's probably many more that other people might have. These are just the 10 that I sort of uh, love to, to share. And so my the, the first one is thou shalt know why before you figure out how. And yeah, into depth there. Yeah. What I mean by that is that before you write, before you make a movie, before you write a book or an article or a greeting card or what, what have you, you, you need to know why you're doing it. Uh, the how part is, is the, the homework part, right? Is the study part is the, is the uh, doing a deep dive into into the craft uh, of what you're of what you want to do, but the how part, I'm sorry, the why part is what's your personal premise and what you want to do. Um, m- most young people just want to go do, and so they work on how, uh, but they don't know why. They don't know why, what they want to say. They don't know what their worldview is. And for me, worldview is just as important as overview of, of the, the details of the writing. You, we, need to, we need to understand what we want to say, what we want to be about in this world as writers. What, you know, everybody, everybody rather whether consciously or unconsciously puts worldview into their storytelling and yeah. some people might not even know what i mean by worldview but what is what do you how do you see the world what what you know what how do you see the universe it, it, are you are you just a rational person are you a person that believes in there's something more than the sum of all of our parts as human beings mm-hmm. is there something more out there is there a transcendent uh aspect to our lives. And, uh, you know, I, it's, it's an important thing to figure out for yourself because no matter, you know, no matter what you believe, uh, it's going to leak into your writing. It, it, you can't help, but have it do that. It's part of how you tick as a human being. And so you need to figure out why you want to do this work before you figure out how you want to do this work. Does that make sense? That makes complete sense. And I think it's really important that we understand where we're coming from because that's part of our voice and how we take it into the characters and how they will see the world. And if you can get inside that part of it, you can make your characters not only tick, but you can make them really, really rich. Now, we're going to have to go into a break. But when we come back, we're going to continue talking about Thou Shalt's of Screenplays with Brian Bird. And you can find Brian Bird's website at um, brianbird.net. 
and is B-R-I-A-N-B-I-R-D.net. And this is Angela Breidenbach, and you can find me at AngelaBreidenbach.com, B-R-E-I-D-E-N-B-A-C-H. And we'll be back after the break with the rest of the 10 Thou Shalt's of Screenplays. Hang in there with us because this is some prime stuff. You're going to get your creative light on. Stay right where you are. There's more Lit Up right after this. We often ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirits Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on Toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has a unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors, all quilters just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. We're glad you're back for more Lit Up. Now here's your host, Angela Breidenbach. This is such a fun show. We're full of rich, rich meat, and I want to just turn it right back over to Brian and say, okay, we've got number one, know the why before the how. What is the second thou shalt of screenplays? Well, this one is all about uh, how we uh, how we hear those negative tapes playing, and those uh, those that sense of uncertainty and doubt and lack of confidence playing in our minds as we're trying to do this work. And so, the second one is, "Thou shalt not listen to the negative self tapes that play in your head." Um, <laughs> again, this is a writing uh, a, a, a writing program that you that you like that you like to share, but. Part of this is, you know, personal preparation for how to how to do the work. And so, um, look, everybody suffers from imposter syndrome, right? Everybody. Yeah. Everybody hears those tapes. You'll never reach your dreams. How do you think you'll ever break through and get your book published or your movie made? And um, I, I, 
I've had these tapes play most of my life, right? And I think we all do. Um, maybe you know the author Neil Gaiman, who uh, is a, was a prolific journalist and author and screenwriter. He has movies like Beowulf and Coraline and Stardust and American Gods, which you know is now a ten-part TV series this year. And I, I found this quote or this little. Uh, remembrance that he had and i just i'll just read it to you because it's it's so powerful um this is on imposter syndrome from what we all you know which we all suffer from some years ago i was lucky enough to be invited to a gathering of great and good people artists and scientists and writers and discoverers of things and i felt that at any moment they would realize that i didn't qualify to be there among you you know, uh, among all these people who had done really amazing things. On my second or third night there, I was standing at the back of the room while a musical uh, group was playing, and I started talking to a very nice, polite, elderly gentleman about several things, in, including our shared first name. And then he pointed to the hall of people and said words to the effect of, I just look at all these people, and I think, what the heck am I doing here? They've made amazing things. I just went where I was sent. And I said, yes, but you're the, you are the first man on the moon. I think that counts for something. <laughs> and I, I felt a bit better because if Neil Armstrong felt like an imposter, maybe everyone did. Maybe there weren't any grown-ups, only people who had worked hard and also got lucky or were slightly out of their depth, all of us doing the best job we could, which is all you can ever really hope for anyway. So that's that's Neil Gaiman, the prolific writer, talking about his brush with, uh, you know, with uh, Neil Armstrong, the first man on the moon who had imposter. Yes, had imposter syndrome as well. And we all do. It it happens to everyone. And um, I had I, I had an experience with imposter syndrome back when I was doing the show Touched by an Angel, um, which I did for many years. And I was uh, I was writing an episode. I was working, you know, late one night um, on this episode. It was due the next day. And in the television field, there's no such thing as writer's block. Um, the writer's block is the, the equivalent of a pink slip, which means you're fired. <laughs> you oh, don't, that's you don't, great to look at it. <laughs> You, you don't get to you don't get to call up the the production, uh, you know, uh, and say, look, you know, I'm just having a struggle. I'm not going to be able to get this script in on time. Probably it's going to be another couple of days. You guys just hang out and wait for me, okay? No, it's not allowed. That those people are on the on on the clock uh, at a burn rate of about a hundred thousand dollars a day, just sitting there. They don't wait for writers. So there's no such thing as as that. And I was feeling the pressure. Right. I, I had I, I was struggling. To, I, had, I had in a sense written my myself into a tributary of the Amazon River and I couldn't find my way back to the main channel. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, figuratively. And and I was desperate and I had this real sense of. Um, you know, imposter syndrome. How did how did I trick my way into this job? How, how did I convince them that I could do this? Right. And 
I was desperate. And so I just sort of cried out to the heavens, you know, God help me. I don't know what to do here. And, you know, words didn't start magically appearing on the screen uh, and writing themselves, you know, like like a miracle. But I heard a I got a deep soul impression. I'm a person of faith. I've been raised that way. And I and I and I believe it with all my heart. And um, I heard this deep soul impression. Right. The, these these sort of words imprinted themselves on me. And and this was what it was. I was a writer. Now you be one. Oh, and it, wow. it That's sort powerful. of gave sort of gave me chill bumps because. Yeah. It's like all, now all of a sudden, all of these references to what I had learned over the course of my life kept coming back. In the beginning was the word. And the word was written on, on a heart of flesh, not tablets of stone. God is the author and perfecter of our faith. God is the author of the universe. How did he, God leave his revelation to us in a big fat novel? I tell people God is the creator of creativity and of humor and of story. And so when we're going through our situations, I had a, I had a really strange one that happened um, six years ago. I was in a major car accident, rolled my car up and down a mountain on black ice and uh, ended up having to go into surgery. But at the time I didn't know it. I was just uh, really, really injured and I had a book due and it was my very first um, contemporary fiction and I had gone to the uh, doctor and they had put me on some pain pills to get through it. And I had a deadline. And I mean, that deadline was like two weeks away. So here I was, body fully swollen, didn't know how badly injured I was. I had my um, husband help me prop my arms up on pillows. And I sat back and I typed a sentence and I'd pass out. Type a sentence and I'd pass out. I was on deadline. I could not miss that deadline. And the funniest thing was most of the book had been written. But when I turned that book in, um, there was a section that my editor sent back this note. She said, you know, this is a great book. But what happened here? It's like you are on drugs. (laughs) 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 I said back, I was. (laughs) It was pain medicine. And I'm okay now. And she says, good. Could you rewrite that chapter? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it would have been, it's a good thing she didn't say that was the best part of the book. Uh, Cause then you would say, uh Oh, now I need to be on drugs every time I write. No, no, um, no. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But <laughs> rewrite. And that was good, but I did not miss deadline. And I think that, like you said, that is really important. It didn't matter what was going on. You fought for the deadline. That's right. That's right. And, and you just, at, if at that, that point, you just, be God's typist. Let him speak through you and just type what you hear and don't question it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can always rewrite, right? But if you get frozen by having to be perfect on, on every sentence you write, sometimes you can stay there forever. And and uh, ever since that experience, I've never had another case of writer's block because I just go. You know, I don't second guess myself. And that doesn't mean everything that I that comes out of me is gold, but it can become that through refining. And, and you, you, you don't have to be a perfectionist uh, on the front end. I love uh, just that. Go. Let's, let's move on to number three. So we don't miss out on getting all 10 right. of these in. No, number three is thou shalt be in the business of loving people. Uh, 
that sounds like a marriage seminar. <laughs> that sounds like a you know a motivational speaker. What I'm uh, some of these I full, I honestly believe are are necessary to the writing process. We we work in a business, whether it's in publishing or or writing for film or TV or whatever. It's that's very insecure. This is a business where people are constantly looking over their shoulders, worried, you know, about competition, worried about opportunity, worried about how to how to how to pay the bills. And it's a very insecure business. And when you consciously be a friend maker with the people that you work with, they'll want to be with you more. (laughs) It's just easy. It's an easy math to figure out. People love people who love them, right? People who, who, you know, hurt people are hurt people and you don't want to be with them. So the, the, the easy math on this is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You have to be a friend maker. And guess what? It's good for business too. It's not only good for relationship, but it's good for business because people want to be in business with people that like them and people that are kind to them and care about them and are authentic with them. Uh, You know, what a bizarre concept, right? Let's be friendly. Uh, It works. It works. Now, you still have to be good at what you do. I'm not saying that you can uh, overcompensate with being a friendly person if you don't have the craft down also. Mm-hmm. But you've got to do both. And if you if you don't love on people, why would you expect them to want to ever hang out with you? And I uh, love that you said authenticity because you can be sickly sweet and put on that um, aura of charm. And that should be a red flag also. Be real. Be authentic. Be friendly. I think that's right. that's it. Um, that's let's have you give one last word um, before okay. we head into break. Okay. Number four, thou shalt be part of the conversation. What I hear a lot of times from, uh, you know, people don't really understand what I do. They they say, well, you know, Hollywood and that it's just a sort of a den of thieves, you know, a, a shark, a shark tank. Um, well, you know what? It it can be, but it's also just full of, you know, Wounded people, like I've been saying. And uh, the the idea is that if we're not going to be part of the conversation, that doesn't mean the conversation stops. It's actually going to go on with or without us. So we should be part of it. We should actually be part of it. Did you know that teenagers in China have more in common with urban American teenagers than they do with the, the, the Chinese teenagers in the on the farmland? In the rural countryside, Chinese urban kids have more in common with American kids. And you know why? Because of MTV. Wow. He will be back right after this break. Right after this. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors, 
All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff. And find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. We often ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirits Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has a unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. We're glad you're back for more Lit Up. Now here's your host, Angela Breidenbach. Well, friends, if you're anything like me right now, you are just gobbling up this wonderful meal of information that Brian Bird is giving to us. And if you want to follow him on Twitter, it's at BRBird. And if you want to follow him on Facebook, just look up Brian Bird. And I'll have uh, his social media and website and stuff in the show notes. So make sure to go pop in and see the show notes. And we'll put in a list of the 10 thou shalts, um, just the basics. And then, of course, you want to listen to the show for the details. So let's get right into the fifth thou shalt of screenplays. Yes. Uh, so I often hear people asking, you know, or saying uh, or disrespecting sort of the, the people in power. Right. Because either they're they can't break through the glass ceiling, they can't get their book published or their screenplay read and and so forth. And then so what they end up doing is whining about (laughs) about all those people who who don't respect them or, you know, who are corrupt or, you know, don't have good morals or good values. And I I just want to say, yes. And I I just want to say, number five, thou shalt respect the path to power. There is another golden rule beside the one that's in the Bible, right? We all know the golden rule, right, from the Bible. But there's another one. And this golden rule is is the media golden rule, which is he who has the gold gets to make the rules. Or... Or in my, you know, paraphrase, he whose butt is in the chairs gets to make the decision. So... If you don't like the reaction you're getting to your manuscript or to your screenplay, well, maybe it's because it's not there yet. Or maybe it's because, uh, you know, you need to do more to be better at your craft. But don't, don't just uh, disrespect the people in the position of being gatekeepers. Yes, there's politics. Yes, there's uh, 
you know, a hierarchy uh, and, and there can be sort of a caste system where if you don't have have any credits or you don't have any books published, it's hard to break through. Yes, it's always going to be hard to break through. But don't disrespect the people in a position of power. They're there because they're pretty smart and they're there because they've earned the right to be there. They're, they to your, your yes. negative thinking, um, that script. That's right. Because it's not just what we say in our own heads. Sometimes it's like family or friends that don't believe in us. And then we start to hear that. Then we start to repeat it. And then we start making excuses. And then we start disrespecting others because, well, they're just against me. Don't you think? That's right. That's right. Yep. So that's number five. Number six <laughs> is thou shalt know the difference between excellence and mediocrity. <laughs> Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really tough one, and it's it's sometimes kind of hard for people to hear, but um, there actually is a difference, <laughs> and it's not all subjective. It's, it's not all about opinions. It's not about it's not all subjective. You know, I'm a writer. I'm not a painter. I'm not a sculptor, but I believe Michelangelo was merely doing what we're all supposed to do, and you know, many of us believe that God created man in His image. And if that's so, then we all have a microscopic grain of the DNA from the one who painted the universe into existence. And if that's true, shouldn't we be trying to be the Michelangelo of our one thing that we've been gifted to do? Everybody has one thing that they're gifted at, right? We have to find out what that is. But artistic endeavor and excellence should bubble out of us. And if we're not excellent at, at it coming out of the womb, we need to learn how to be excellent. We need to work at it. There's something called the 10,000-hour rule that, right. that Malcolm Gladwell wrote about in, in his book, Outliers. And what that means is that there are plenty of people that are born gen- with genius you know, uh, 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 you know, potential, but unless they put the 10,000 hours in, they won't become experts at their genius. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. I get really tired of hearing people say, but I'm a good writer and they've never done anything to take a class to build their craft. And I think that and then they don't want you to change their words. They're married to their words. They're married to their idea and and get very upset if you try to help them expand it. And I don't by any means think I'm like the best in the whole wide world. But If I can have an opportunity to help somebody else, I've not only had that opportunity to, you know, build my own skill, but you learn so much more in teaching others, but you also learn what you don't know because they're going to ask a question you don't know. And you're like, uh, and that means you've got to do. That's right. And on that, that sort of same topic, uh, about how to become better at what you do and how to put those 10,000 hours in. Number, uh, let's see, I guess I'm on number seven now, right? You're on seven. <laughs> number seven, yes. I'm trying to track myself here. <laughs> thou, thou shalt copy. Thou shalt copy. Now, I just, I heard a collective gasp coming from your audience through, <laughs> through, through cyberspace here, <laughs> through the radio airwaves. And I want to tell you what, I, what I'm saying is, I'm not saying steal. I'm saying copy. There's a difference. And what I mean by that is that if you if you can picture a painting class, right, uh, where 
all, all the students are sitting in front of their canvas in a painting class and they're painting. What is the what is the teacher doing? What is the master doing at the front of the class? The master is also painting. Right. And what, what are the students doing? They are copying the master, but bringing themselves to the canvas in order to become better than the master. If we put this into construction um, forms, what we could say is that if you're building a house, um, then that house has a certain form, a certain structure. But then inside, you can decorate it any way you want. But there's right. rules of how the boards and the windows and the and the doors all go together. And if you want it to look different, say you want a different genre, maybe you want a craftsman style, maybe you want a, you know, a farm style home, you yes. know, all sorts of things that you can do to make that look a little different. There is specific rules that fit for every single one of those different styles of houses. That's right. But you right. still and put the pieces together properly. Exactly. And, you know, the thing is, is that if you want to be a great author, a great novelist of fiction or nonfiction, for that matter, what's the best way to become that? <laughs> well, you got to put in the hours personally of writing, putting words on paper. Uh, the same goes with screenwriting. The best way is to copy the great writers. What, read all the great books that you love and then go and do likewise. You, uh, let them inspire you. Mimic them until you become better than them. The idea is we copy the master and bring ourselves to the page in order to eclipse the master. That's how art is passed down through history. The best film school I ever heard of was the film school, a uh, screenwriting school of reading great scripts. The same applies to authors. Read great novels, read great books, and go and do likewise. Can I tell you what I've been doing? Please. Uh, um, so when I met you, um, it was really fun. And I had already read a couple of the scripts that you've written. But now, because I need to expand my screenplay before I turn it in, I've got um, some of my favorite scripts up and I'm looking at their format and I'm looking at page numbers and where things go, um, rewriting my script this summer to make sure that I have done the format right. And truthfully, for me, the story is the easy part. Changing from writing novels to um, writing the format of screenplays, that's harder for me because yeah. I don't have to do a specific page uh, where there's a plot point in a novel, but I have to do a specific plot point or turn of the events in a screenplay at certain page counts. So that part has been really, um, that part has made me sweat. <laughs> right. Well, I, I'll tell you, I'll admit to you, I, I've been doing this for 30 years now. I, before I write any new screenplay, I read five great screenplays. I love that. I plan. prime I prime my own pump and I keep them right next to my keyboard. Mm -hmm. And uh, if I'm stuck anywhere, I'll just flip one open. I'll just start scanning through scenes That's and I'll see how do they got, how do they get through the scene? How do they get out of this scene? How did they, how did they, uh, escalate this scene, right? 
What yeah. was their transition moment uh, in the scene? And I just mimic those things if I get stuck. So it's it's the best school ever. Great yeah, books, great, done, great. Most recently, I've, I've read uh, Gold and I've read La La Land because they you know won all sorts of awards and had. That's right. Okay, I want to see what these are about. So I read the screenplays, and then after I read the screenplays, I watched the movies. And yes. started doing the thought process in my head going, okay, I see there's this problem in my own because I see how they did that, you know. Um, but even understanding when not to direct the director, that part I think is probably going to be difficult for me because I'm not used to that element yet. And uh, hopefully when you turn in your first of anything, I mean, I've written 15 books, but this is my first screenplay. So hopefully there's, you know, there's grace. And for those listeners out there who, who want to do something, um, hopefully you will understand there is grace out in the world. The fact that you have completed something and turned it in, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, the fact that you did that, that is the first giant mountain that you've overcome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so we have just about a minute left. Let's um, get the number eight in. Okay, and then we'll all talk right. About it in the next segment. That sounds great. So, thou number eight, thou shalt be uh, and tell great stories. So, you know, for all of us from the beginning of time, what is the one thing that every child asks before bedtime? We can all we all know what this is. Tell me a story, mommy, daddy. Tell me a story, and, and you know why? Because we, mankind is wired for story. Story is food. Joseph Campbell in The Hero with a Thousand Faces chronicled the 12 stages of a hero's journey and the seven masks of the, all the different archetypal characters. And he did that by investigating all the myths of mankind. We all have these violin strings running through our, our, our lives, no matter where we come from, no matter what age we are born into. And those those strings resonate with themes like courage and sacrifice and forgiveness and redemption and nobility. No matter where you come from, all the great stories uh, contain these things. We are wired for story. We need to tell great stories. We need to work on that and expect only that of ourselves as writers. Absolutely. And we're going to delve into nine and ten right after the break. Stay right where you are. There's more lit up right after this. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff. And find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. We often ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? 
Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirits Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has a unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature, and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. We're glad you're back for more Lit Up. Now here's your host, Angela Breidenbach. Brian, it has been so awesome to have you with us. And I want to delve just a little bit deeper into number eight. I want to hear just a little bit more about storytelling because, as as you said while we were on break, there's a lot to unpack in that. And then we're going to wrap up with nine and ten. But could you go ahead? Absolutely. So here here's the thing on on the idea of telling great stories is that there's a rich tradition that goes back 4,000 years or more uh, to all the great stories that have emanated out of the human, you know, uh, out of human beings, uh, whether it goes back to cave paintings, you know, uh, the first cave paintings or, or all the great epic poems, uh, the Epic of Gilgamesh and Homer's Iliad and all of these amazing uh, story, you know, great stories and myths. Joseph Campbell unpacked and researched all of those. And what he came up, what he came to is that the same stories repeat themselves over and over again. And it's not because mankind has lost their creativity. It's because people are hungry for those stories. The, you know, for instance, Aristotle's principles of drama, he was the first one to come up with the three act structure. That's not some revolution for screenwriters, right? In fact, all great conversations have three acts, if you think about it. We, we, any conversation we have with somebody over the phone or whatever, there's always three acts that, that you can identify in those conversations. That's because mankind is wired for these stories. And that's why I said we all have these violin strings running through us. The, the, the archetypes, the masks that all the characters where, you know, all these different kinds of archetypal characters we include in our novels and our screenplays. Those are all shades of who we are. We are all of those things. We all potentially can go to those those different places in our lives and become those characters. And as writers, we have to become all of those people. They're all, you know, um, horcruxes, in, for lack of a better term of our personality, right? We are yeah. we have split personalities in that way. We can become the shadow, we can become the shapeshifter, we can become the hero and so forth. And so all of those great um storytelling devices that go back 4000 years are what we need to use in our screenplays now now and what we need to use in our novels and they they inform us and they're part of how we write and how people are hungry for story. They're hungry for those same kinds of stories. 
So that, that I, I hope that, you know, unpacks that a little bit more. I mean, there's many great books and works. Joseph Campbell's uh, Hero with a Thousand Faces. And by the way, Christopher Vogler's The Writer's Journey is a fantastic book synthesizing for screenplays and screenwriters all of the great um, uh, research that Joseph Campbell did uh, for screenwriting. And it's, it's the 12 stages of a hero's journey are in uh, most screenplays. And so Christopher Vogler has written about that in The Hero's Journey, which is a fantastic book. So should we go on to number nine now? Yes, I would love that. Okay. So number nine is Thou Shalt Leave the Door Open Behind You. What, I'm, what I mean by this is that we have to be champions for those who come after us. It, be, it means being proactive about giving an opportunity to a new generation of writers behind us. Um, when I was in ninth grade, I had a, an English teacher, uh, Mrs. Stevens, who held me back after class. And I thought I was in trouble. I thought I was busted. And <laughs> she, she, she had an essay that I had written, and she had graded it. And it had an A plus on it, which was not the most important part of that conversation. She said to me, she looked me right in the eye. She said, you could do this for a living if you want to. And I, oh, had, wow. never, I had never heard that before. Right. My parents loved me. They were proud of everything I did, but they were also incredibly biased. You know, our parents are most of our parents are proud of anything we do, including the first time we do a duty in the toilet. Right. They're, they're, they're <laughs> clapping for us. That, well, the bar is very low, <laughs> right? The bar of expectation is very low with our parents because they're proud of everything we do. But when you have somebody who's an adult champion who spots something in you and calls it out, you need to listen to that. I also had another adult champion uh, in my life who was a, a world-class musician, a classically trained musician. And they had read, you know, he had read some of what I had, I had done. And he said to me, this writing skill that you have is like an instrument that you need to play and practice. And don't just don't just be good enough to be in a garage band. Try to be good enough to be in the symphony. And that carrot still dangles in front of me. Right. I try to keep getting to that carrot. And some people say, well, you're already in the symphony. Well, maybe I am. but Last time I checked, there's somebody in first chair, and I'm not in first chair yet. And so the I character- totally get that. <clears throat> right. I totally get that. And right. I think and if we- you keep striving, all the different writers, like there's certain writers of novels that I have just fallen in love with their words. And the thing that fascinates me is when I go to a conference, they're the ones sitting up front ready to take notes on whoever's teaching. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. And we all need to be open books. We need to learn from everybody, and we also need to leave the door open behind us because it's the law of sowing and reaping. Mm-hmm. How do you cl- how do we clone our values in a ne- in another generation? Well, the best way to do it is by offering to mentor other people. Once you learn your craft, mentor younger people and leave the door open for them, like other people have done for me. My first writing job in Hollywood, uh, the producer said. I'm leaving the door open for you because someone left it open for me many years ago. And it's, it's quite a bit of synergy. It's very much a biblical concept as well. In Timothy, right. when we're taught 
the older women teach the younger women. And when we see the, the kings teaching their sons and when we see the prophets talking to the people, it's a constant role of that process of, of mentoring. And I ask people a lot when I'm, when I'm speaking or when I'm talking to them, if you were able to hone your craft to the point that you were good enough to do whatever you needed to do, but the Lord asked you to use that talent to assist and inspire others so that they actually rose above you. Could you do it? And the point for me is if you're able to be the person who's that quote unquote wind beneath the wings, do you realize that the possibility that you have inspired and educated and encouraged someone else may actually reach more lives than if you were the star? That's and absolutely right. And do that more and more and more. It's geometrical the- growth. Yes. A multipli- <laughs> multiplier. It's a multiplier. Yes. That's my You're life. That's right. That's right. And I think that you, we actually, by mentoring for younger people, we become better at our craft ourselves because we are going through the process of teaching what we've learned. It ingrains it back in us and we don't forget our craft. We don't forget the good things that we've learned from others when we pass them on to, to those behind us. And I, and I think that it's also just literally the law of sowing and reaping what you sow, you reap. And if you sow uh, selfishness and greediness and stubbornness into other people, you're going to get it back. <laughs> if you, if you, but if you sow kindness and generosity into other people, guess what? Someday when you're too old and too dusty for anybody to give you a, uh, the time of day, somebody that you mentored back way back when is going to co- come calling and say, I need your help on something. And it, it just works. It's a better way to be a writer in this business is to be a teacher and a mentor of others. It's, it's a, absolutely, absolutely. I hear so, a lot of open and authentic, be an educator, be a learner, be caring. Tell me what number 10 is before we run out of time. Yes. And this, this is what I hinted at, um, back in, uh, I don't know which one it was <laughs> back earlier <laughs> in the 10 shelves. Um, when I was talking about that case of writer's block that I had and, and, uh, the, the end of that story is that I, I was able to turn that script in the next day because I kept going and I was not afraid. And I, I heard that, I heard that, um, that deep soul impression that God was a writer. So, so should I be. So thou, the number 10 is thou shalt know that God was and is a writer. And if that's true and he made me in his image, I'm supposed to do that too. We need to we need to take that legacy that we have been given and go go and do likewise. Right. Because it's if if we're if we're gifted with that tiny little strand of of DNA from the author of the universe and we sit on our hands and we don't do anything with it, that's we're selling ourselves short. We're selling the world short and we're selling the author of the universe short because he made this to, to carry on the legacy that he gave us and that he, that he first uh, pioneered in the universe. And we, we absolutely need to, we need to, uh, to carry on that legacy. We need to, to, there's no, you don't get to unring that bell. If you've been called to do this, 
you do not get to unring that bell. It's not allowed. I'm making a ruling. I would not want to get to the end of my life and be that uh, bad servant that put my talent in the ground and did not allow it to blossom and grow. I want to be the one that I really want to be the one that had the 10 and then multiplied it by 10 and 10 and 10 and 10 and 10 into infinity. But yeah, if if that's in your DNA, whatever creativity God put into you, whether it's writing, whether it's music, whether it's art, whether it's building houses, that DNA is incredibly important and it is who you are i hate to end this show right now because i just think we could go for hours more brian we're <laughs> gonna have, to have you back if you don't mind i would love, love to have you back in the future um but where where can we find you online you can find me at twitter at br bird uh i i Love making friends with people on Facebook and Instagram. I'm BR Bird on Instagram. I'm Brian Bird on on Facebook. And uh, you can also find my blog, which I'm so busy that it's woefully uh, behind. <laughs> but BrianBird.net is, is my <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I try to get tools, tools, tips, and yeah, tools, tips, and training for other people. I, I don't have a lot of time to to spend personal time with people, but I try to lay some of the lessons that I've learned on into my blog so that it can become useful to, to others and it can get some long distance mentoring by me. I really appreciate that personally. And you can find me at AngelaBreidenbach.com, A-N-G-E-L-A-B-R-E-I-D-E-N-B-A-C-H. Any of the books I've written, any of the shows that Brian Burke has um, also written and done you can find on all sorts of television networks so please be a fan of Brian Bird because I am and you will not be sorry thank you so much for being with us today Brian I just really appreciate everything that you've poured into us see you soon been a pleasure thanks Andrew thank you for joining us on Lit Up Light up your literary world. Expand your imagination. Enhance your life. Lit Up will be back next week with another great conversation. Join us, won't you? Right here on Lit Up.